This archival program of Design Matters with Debbie Millman was produced for Voice America Internet Radio. New programs with better audio quality are now being produced for Design Observer. You can subscribe in the iTunes Store or at the Observer Media Channel on Design Observer. Welcome to Design Matters with Debbie Millman, the show that takes you inside the provocative and stimulating world of design and branding as it intersects with contemporary culture. Here's your host of Design Matters, Debbie Millman. When I was eight years old, my mother sat my brother and I down in our living room and told us that she and my father were getting a divorce. She then proceeded to try and cheer us up by taking us to the movies. She brought us to see Barbara Streisand in the then big box office hit, Hello, Dolly. I remember my brother weeping as I watched Barbara convince Walter Matthau to eat his beets, how good the beets were. There was nothing quite as good as beets. To this day, I can't see a beat without thinking of, well, about a million different things, actually. Who knew that a red root vegetable could have such context? I find it both curious and compelling that the moments of our lives are punctuated by visual images that, over time, become permanently embedded in the experience. There are a few women I know that cannot recall what they were wearing when they met the love of their life, few men I know that cannot recall the scent of the leather of their first baseball mitt or what Led Zeppelin song was playing in their basement the night they smoked pot for the first time. These visual images mark time for us. They represent age. They represent love and lust and longing. I remember the gray corduroy suit I wore to my first job in 1983. I remember the sparkly colors of the stones in a necklace a cherished babysitter gave me when I was six. I remember an awkwardly bespeckled girl named Susan used the words chimera and enigma in an essay she read aloud in the 10th grade. I remember the way a little girl in my kindergarten class named Kathy drew grass in her many drawings and how straight her bangs were. Individually, these are random images. Joined together, they reflect a life. For me, some of the things I love most are fleeting metaphorical images, how I knew the day I walked out of my apartment with a big heart and hefty hopes, how when I saw a dead squirrel in the street, I felt something horrible was about to happen, or when I turned 30 and got all dressed up and went to Elaine's with my then-husband and another couple to celebrate. My favorite pearl necklace broke and spilled out all over the floor around us as everyone frantically ran gathering the mess of scattered pearls, I knew in that instant my marriage was over. I think that Mark Roscoe described it best as reflected in Bernard Malamud's heartbreaking introduction to the retrospective tome, Mark Roscoe. He writes, Roscoe liked to reminisce. One night he told me how he had left his first wife. He had gone off for an army physical during World War II, and they had turned him down. When he arrived home and told his wife he was 4F, he didn't like the look that flitted across her face. The next day, he went to see his lawyer about a divorce. These woefully ironic images haunt me. Many years ago, I confronted a man who had hurt me badly. It literally took me years to get up the courage to do this. 
Looking back on it now, I can't help but shake my head in amazement as I remember that as I did this, as I stood there shivering in the autumn chill on the front porch of his house, as I wrapped myself tight in my yellow coat, this man's clueless wife kept calling out to her husband, insisting he invite me in for coffee and cake. These visceral images document our experiences. For example, when I think about divorce, I don't ordinarily think about beats, but when I see beats, I inevitably think about divorce. I think this is how we process our emotions, through images. I believe this is why we are both drawn to and provoked by art in such powerful and profound ways, ultimately why art is such a subjective and personal experience. It simultaneously allows us to feel things we might not otherwise be able to describe, and it evokes our own personal association with those very emotions. I prefer to look back and remember the images as opposed to what was actually said or was actually accomplished or what was actually fucked up. I like to think that there is beauty and power in every one of these images, but as I hold them close, I also realize that they don't really exist. They are not anything I can touch. They are not archived in a photo album or hanging in a pretty frame. They are not neatly taped into a scrapbook or downloaded and stored on Flickr or my iPod. They don't exist now. They never really did. But they live and always will in my imagination and my heart. Welcome to Design Matters with Debbie Millman. I am your host, Debbie Millman, and my guest today is designer and filmmaker, Solman Curtis. Before we get started with today's interview, let me tell you just a little bit more about him. Hillman Curtis could easily be called the Grand Master of Flash, as he has literally defined the genre. He has designed motion graphic spots for clients such as MTV, Rolling Stone, and Adobe, and his innovative design solutions have garnered him numerous awards all over the world. Hillman was named one of the top ten designers of 2000 by the IPPA, including included in the ten most wanted by IDN Magazine and one of the world's best flash designers by Create Online. One of Hillman's most recent ventures has been into the world of film and video, and his designer series, a series of short documentaries on designers such as Milton Glaser, Paula Scher, and Stefan Sagmeister, have been viewed over 250,000 times collectively and published online by the American Institute of Graphic Arts. He has directed short films and videos, and he has written three best-selling books on design and filmmaking. Welcome, Hellman. Thank you so much, Debbie. Oh, it's so great to have you here. Yeah, it's great to be here. Oh, thank you. Well, I, yeah. I love your new book. I think it's it's wonderful. It's very poignant and very educational at the same time. Thank you. And yeah. it's it's called On Creating Short Films for the Web. And in the book, you talk about how early on in your career, you became aware of how the eye follows motion. And I was really captivated by that idea. Oh. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, that... that <clears throat> that came from from you know starting off in Flash, and you know incidentally I I, I don't think I'm the grandmaster of Flash anymore. I think I'm, I'm maybe the grandfather. <laughs> you know, there's there's twelve year olds who can write uh, you know better action script than I. But um, well, but, you know, still the classic. So thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I just had to throw that in there. But um, yeah, it, it, you know, it kind of, what what I did is I spent you know a lot of time moving small little vector objects around 
you know, a small little space um, in the early days of Flash. You know what I mean? Flash was mainly used, well, I used it mainly um, for small advertisements. And, you know, it just, it, it just became, and, and then just the nature of the, uh, of the medium, the web at the time, very slow. And I had to be, you know, really, really careful about what I put on the stage and how I moved it. And you know, and also you have to, and still have to consider CPU and and how a computer can handle a move. Uh, and so it's so you so all of that together, if you're if you're sort of at all concerned with with how it's going to appear and how it's going to affect someone, you start to really question whether you should even move an object. And if you do, if you do move it, you know, it has to have some sort of resonant meaning behind it. And um, that's I just sort of got practiced over time of how to and and you know what the, the, the I mean in, in motion graphics I'm very good at that the the thing that's I think I'm still working on in my film work is just actually using the camera that way because it's a different thing you know I'm, I'm moving a camera and interacting with a person rather than you know just sort of going over and over again with my mouse and you know a tween or something in Flash. So it's it's con- it's just a constant learning um, and evolution. There, well, there's, so that's a long one, I know. No, that's fine. <laughs> that's absolutely fine. This is supposed to be about you, yeah, so that's yeah. absolutely fine. You, you, you quote you, you have quite a, a, a lot of wonderful quotes and inspiration in in all your books. Um, in the recent book in, on creating short films for the web, you quote Richard Avedon in the chapter where you talk about your film project, The Visitors, and that the series of film portraits of visitors to your studio, and this is a quote. My portraits are more about me than they are about the people I photograph. Do you feel that is true about your work? Yes. In I what do. way? <clears throat> well, I, you know, I think, I think in the designer series it, it may not be as true. I mean, and, and that's sort of a, it's a, uh, there's a couple of answers to that question. Um, with the designer series, I mean, what I the, the reason I started that is because I bought a new DV camera, and I happened to be speaking with Stefan Sagmeister in Texas, and we were, we were traveling together, and I thought, you know, it would be cool to film him. But in the back of my head, I thought, you know, what, how great this would be as this sort of double-edged learning experience because, you know, not only would I be filming someone I admire and talking to them about their craft and getting insight on, on how they do things and how they think, but I'd also, you know, later need to put that together and start developing a style and skill as, as a filmmaker. So, um, so it is about me a little bit, you know, because, I mean, my motivation for doing these films is, I wouldn't say it's not selfish because I like to share these, and, and obviously I don't charge any money and I don't make any money doing these things, but my motivation first and foremost is to talk to people I admire, and that's really what it is. And um, and then the secondary motivation is to improve as a filmmaker. So even though I'm celebrating the work of someone else, in a way it is it is about me now. The short films that I've started to do, which are, are much more of a struggle for me because I think I'm, I may be better at discovering a story than maybe writing a story. Um, what do you mean by that? Well, we'll have to, I want to hear your whole answer, but I want to come back yeah, yeah, to no, what you I can tell you. It's, uh, it, in, in documentary, you, you know, at least the way I do it, I, I go in without set questions. I go in with, a, with an idea of 
of what it is that's attracted to me this, to this person's work, and then we have a conversation. Um, and then later, when I'm looking over, for example, with a pentagram piece, I had six hours of footage. When I'm going through the six hours of footage, I'm trying to find the story. And the story's there. It's already there. And I don't have to write it. I just have to find it. Mm-hmm. Now, with the, with the narrative pieces, um, I have to write the story. And I, you know, I, I, I have no background in this. And so I'm, I'm, I'm just writing scripts and, and trying to, trying to actually apply, you know, what I love about design to my scripts. And that is just keep stripping things away, strip things away, and don't try to be too, you know, obvious. And I, and I've done that with a certain amount of success. Um, but those ones are, are all about me. I'm just basically writing about what it is that's bugging me. Yeah. Well, we'll come back after our break and, and talk a lot more about this. I have about 30 pages of questions for you. We'll probably get to the first or the second. Uh, I'd like to let everybody know that they're listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman on Voice America Business. I am your host, Debbie Millman, and my guest today is designer and filmmaker Hillman Curtis. We will be right back with our broadcast after these messages. Please don't go away. Listen wherever you are. 24-hour business and financial news. Solid, focused, and informed. The leader in business talk. Voice America Business at voiceamerica.com. Hi, this is Scott Biondich, Global Packaging Manager at the Coca-Cola Company. And I'm really excited about the upcoming Fuse Brand Identity and Package Design event in New York City this April. I'll be there revealing the critical steps to developing differentiated and preferred packaging for consumers around the world. Design gurus Rem Koolhaas and Philippe Stark, as well as brand leaders from Method, Nike, and Target, will go in-depth into the most pressing issues we face. They'll deliver cutting-edge ideas that demonstrate brand growth and bottom-line impact through innovative strategy and design. For more information, call 888-670-8200. Visit www.iirusa.com forward slash BIPD or send an email to register at iirusa.com. Mention that you heard about the event from Design Matters and you'll receive a $200 discount off the standard fee. Hey, rise to the challenge. I look forward to seeing you in the Big Apple this April 24th through the 26th at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel. Tune into Small Business Trends Radio with Anita Campbell every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Each week, Anita and expert guests provide a big picture view of the small business market, identifying the trends and major events driving the robust growth of the small business market. Whether you are a small business owner or a company of any size desiring to sell small businesses or reach the small business market with the product or service, Small Business Trends Radio is your resource for trends that influence the global small business market. Right here on the Bottom line for business talk, Voice America Business. Achieve total wealth management. Listen to Three Dimensional Wealth with Rory Diefendorf every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 Eastern on Business America Radio. Three Dimensional Wealth is a show dedicated to teaching you a values based approach to comprehensive total wealth management through practical strategies and expert advice. Take your first step down the road of financial independence. Listen to Three Dimensional Wealth with Rory Diefendorf Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 Eastern, here on the bottom line in business talk, businessamericaradio.com. The bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. 
Welcome back to Design Matters with Debbie Millman. If you would like to be a caller on the show, dial toll-free at 1-866-233-7861. Once again, that's 1-866-233-7861. And now back to the host of Design Matters, Debbie Millman. Welcome back. It is 3.16 Eastern Time, and you are listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman, live from the Empire State Building in New York City. I am your host, Debbie Millman, and my guest today is designer and filmmaker Hillman Curtis. If you'd like to join our conversation, if you have a question for Hillman, our phone lines are open. But please note, we have a new telephone number. We're going to have to get our producers to change our little intro. The number is one 472 So, Hillman, we were talking a little bit before the break about the work that you do and if it's about you or if it's about the people that you photograph and you were talking about, I think that it's really a little bit of both. Um, But one of the things that I find so compelling about your film work is how deeply you become immersed in that person that you're filming. So I don't really notice the Hillman-ness of it, so to speak. The, The spots are so different and so... They have so much integrity as individual pieces that it feels very much like it's really all about the person that you're filming. So I guess that is just more about your strength as a filmmaker than anything else. It's not really a question I'm asking you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, in, in your book, you talk about how after 9-11, you started hiding from the world and that as an artist, that is the kiss of death, that you think that it is the job of the artist to engage with and then react and respond to the world, both the good and the bad. Why do you feel that you start, why did you start hiding from the world? Well, you know, I mean, I, I just think that the, there were some events even preceding the 9-11, the, the, the election, and, you know, I mean, the 2000 and, and stuff like that, where you just, I think you start to lose a little bit of faith and, um, and it becomes, you know, I mean, especially if you're staring at a computer screen and you have headphones on or something, it just becomes really easy to make that your world and and avoid what's happening. And, I mean, it is the kiss of death, and, and, and what happens is is that you stop filling your heart, I guess. That doesn't sound corny, but with, with the, you know, the, the, the pulse of the world. And um, if you're an artist and, and, and if you, you know, if you have to get, you know, you have to put things out as artists do. You know, you need to take things in as well. And so, I think back then, I mean, it's something that I struggle with all the time. It's not, it's not temporal. It doesn't, um, it doesn't choose a time to to rear its head. It just happens all the time. And I think for the cre- creative individuals, and, I, and on and on that point, I think almost everyone's a creative individual. I think they understand. It just, <clears throat> it just does come, and, and you have to fight your way through it. The, the the instant instant that you're referring to um, was what what got me to buy in 2001 2002 was was what got me to buy this video camera you know that got me first into the portrait series and then into the designer series and so on but the the story behind that was actually um, what put put me over the edge was I got a a book from Bill Viola who's the, the Video artist, yes, um, which I'm sure most everyone knows about. And if you don't, you should definitely check him out because he's wonderful. And I had um, gotten to know him through through my books, um, and I'd included his work in my books. 
um, he sent me his book, and it, I remember opening it, and it was beautiful, and then I saw this inscription that he'd, he'd written to me, and it said, Hillman, aim high, keep moving. And there's a little picture of a um, monitor with an arrow shooting to the stars that he had drawn. And, you know, I, I don't know if that's something that he writes in all of his books uh, that he signs to people or what, but, you know, I just did sort of, I looked over the last few years and I realized I hadn't aimed high, I hadn't kept moving. You know, I just really just looked at my computer and said, paycheck, paycheck, paycheck. And um, and then, you know, I looked at the at the drawing of the arrow shooting to the, to the stars and it, it just very much said to me, you know, redefine your relationship with this really powerful creative tool, which is the computer, or at the very least, you know, turn away from the computer and shoot for the stars. And so, um, and at the time, I mean, at the time, I was I was working out of this tiny, tiny little office um, in downtown New York, but it was it was really closet sized and um, just really isolated. Uh, I had laid off all my workers, you know, the downturn of, of the economy and so on. And, you know, I remember walking home that night and just I. I you know, it was, it was sort of a tough time financially. I didn't really have the money to buy this thing, and I just made this decision that I was going to buy this video camera that I'd always wanted. And um, as soon as I did, it was just, you know, it's one of those things. I, I I started breathing deeper and, uh, and you know, thinking about things that I could use this camera for. And the first, of course, was the portrait series, which, you know, coincided with my rediscovery of, of, of some of my contemporary photographer heroes like Richard Avedon and Thomas Ruff and Philip Lorca de Corsia. And um, seeing how they, how, how they, especially the portrait photographers like Ruff and, and, um, and Avedon, how they would put a, a figure in front of a, a background with, in Avedon's case, a white background, in Ruff's case, colored backgrounds, and nothing else. And, you know, they basically would create these incredibly moving portraits with, with nothing distracting you and nothing to hide from. Um, and I thought that would be a good place to start with the camera since I didn't really know how to how to use this particular camera. Well, I find it interesting that, that you felt at the time you were hiding from the world and then you were looking to create an environment where your 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 art your um, the people that you were shooting couldn't hide at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean I think that what that, that what I mean, I'm, I'm drawn to minimalist stuff anyway, you know, and I mean, I think that's just... But I think what attracted me to the portraits was just how you instead had to focus intensely on composition and 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 lighting and, and working with the subject or trying to relax the subject. I think that's what appealed to me. It, it, I felt like it would give me an opportunity. I had shot, and shot video before, but, you know, we'd, I'd always left the camera on auto and it's just basically like, drop a tape in, you know, tell the rock band to play the music and then just, you know, shoot without really any, without really thinking about the composition or or um, that sort of thing. So the portraits just gave me a moment to kind of uh, really look at light and um, and try to capture light. I, I went from, from using artificial light at first because I thought I had to and to using natural light. And then, you know, I mean, then they became this wonderful thing on the web because so little changes 
except light and maybe a facial tick or a blink, that you can apply an extremely high level of, um, or low, I should say, level of compression, um, making it a, a still very streamable file but with extremely high quality. So it just it, it was one of those things that just worked for for me at the moment. It was, it was great on the web, and it also helped me, you know, think about becoming a better camera operator, which I'm still working on very well, much. For any of our listeners that might be curious about seeing these portraits, they are on Hillman's website, hillmancurtis.com, and they are beautiful, poignant, heartbreaking, inspiring all at the same time. Hillman, we have a caller. We have Gregory from New York. Thank you for calling. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Hillman. Hi, Gregory. Hi there. I have two questions. Um, The first is, do you see yourself directing a big-budget motion picture? Well, um, I don't know. I I, I wouldn't say no, but, I mean, I'd love to do it, but... You know, when I was in my 20s, I was a, as a rock musician. I was on MCA Records in Los Angeles, and, and it, we, we had the, the typical rock and roll story where we got a big, giant record contract and limos and the whole thing, and then, you know, six months later, we got dropped. And in those six months, you know, we basically betrayed everyone we knew and each other. And, you know, so, so I'm, I'm really averse to the whole um, Hollywood studio system. I'm, you know, I mean, I have nothing against them, but I'm afraid of it. Let's put it that way. And that's why I'm so drawn to, the, to, to doing what I do now, which is, which no, I don't have to ask anyone for anything, and um, I, I, the gear is affordable, and I, I ride to the interviews on my bike and so on. So I, I mean, I hope, I hope that I, I hope that I get the courage back up to, to embark on something um, bigger. But, but um, I'm also, you know, quite frankly, just sort of leery of, of what I think happens or can happen in that world. So there's a real long answer to, to a simple question. But, so the answer is yes. Well, get that courage yeah. up because they need some quality, okay? Thank you so much. The, the second yeah. thing is, is do you have a favorite genre of film? Um, well, not really. I mean, I, I, I guess, I guess I like, um, you know, I mean, I, yeah, I, I Boy, I'm really blowing this answer, but um, <laughs> the, the genre. I mean, I, I like I, I I like every I, you know. I, I don't. I'm not particularly fond of you know slasher movies or anything like that. I like um, I watch. I'll tell you. I, I can only I, when you ask, ask that question, I can only think of one thing, and that is that I, I rented a movie last night or Netflix a movie called Nine Lives. It's by um, Rodrigo Garcia. Mm-hmm. And he's the he's the son of great Gabriel Garcia Marquez, but he he shot nine little vignettes, uh, um, all revolving around uh, um, an, an episode in, in a woman's life, different women. I only watched one um, because it was recommended to me, and it was the one um, if you do happen to rent it, starring um, Robin Penn Wright. And I don't even know what it's called, but you can go through the, the scene selection and select that one. And and it was one of the best shorts I've I've. I've ever seen, and I think that I think that the answer to your question is what kind of genre do I like? I think it's summed up in that short, starring Robert Robin um, Wright Penn in uh, in Nine Lives, and it's and I, I think it's just so it's just one of these perfect little ten minute pieces. And if you do watch it, just notice how how it's one long camera take. You never use editing; you don't cut, and it creates this really intense. 
um, experience. So, I mean, I think you know, I like, I, of course, I love Woody Allen and 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 my you know Peter Peter Weir, the uh, Australian director, and of course you know P.T. Anderson, all of these all of these uh, these, these directors. So, all right. kind of, I guess it's drama. I guess drama mm-hmm. comedy sort of. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks very much. Your work's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. For Thanks for calling, Gregory. Well, unfortunately, we have to go to another break. I'd like to let everybody know that they're listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman on Voice America Business. I am your host, Debbie Millman, and my guest today is a lovely designer and filmmaker, Hillman Curtis. We'll be right back with our broadcast after these messages, so please don't go away. Fresh, dynamic, and totally prepared for continuing business education. Business Talk Radio. Voice America Business at voiceamerica.com. Hello, I'm Sharon Ryder Lindbergh from Unilever North America. I'll be speaking at Fuse Brand Identity and Package Design event in April at the Waldorf Astoria in New York City. I'll be discussing the development and the rollout of the new Hellman's Global Brand Identity. Fuse is the destination for brand design leaders. Will you be there? Visit www.iirusa.com backslash BIPD or call 888-670-8200 to find out more about this great event. Consider this an investment in your brand's future. Clear your calendar and prepare to walk away with inspiration, insight, and creative new ideas to implement when you return to the office. Stay at the top of your game. Visit www.iirusa.com backslash BIPD today. Mention design and you'll receive a $200 discount off the standard fee. Look forward to seeing you in New York in in April. Mind Your Business with Danielle Hampson talks about the nuts and bolts of starting, running, and expanding the business. From time management, leadership, sales, marketing, and customer service to office management using technology, business plans, accounting, taxes, and networking. Danielle and her expert guests share their years of experience on a variety of topics. Tune in every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel for Mind Your Business with Danielle Hampson. Useful tips, authoritative advice, creative solutions, Right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. You work hard and you need to take time to relax and rejuvenate yourself. Travel is one of the most effective and gratifying ways to achieve this. Tune into Travel Connections with Judy every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Your host, Judy Jackson, will teach you how you can enhance your lifestyle through travel. Travel Connections will also bring you the latest news on what's hot and exciting in vacation and travel trends. So tune in to Travel Connections with Judy every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on Voice America Business. Are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market? If so, then you need to tune in to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, Jordan Kimmel will train you in what you can do to beat up the big boys on Wall Street, as well as share his secrets to success so that you can buy and sell like a profit-pumping pro. Grab the bull market by the horns and listen to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line of business talk, Voice America Business. Keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business. This is Voice America Business.
We're back with Design Matters with Debbie Millman. If you have a question for Debbie, feel free to call us at 1-866-233-7861. Once again, here's the host of Design Matters, Debbie Millman. Live from the Empire State Building, you are listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman, the only talk radio show on the air focusing on issues relating to graphic design, branding, and culture. I am Debbie Millman, your host, and my guest today is designer and filmmaker Hillman Curtis. If you'd like to join our conversation, if you have a question for Hillman, please call 1-866-472-5790. And Hillman, before the break, you made mention of uh, being in the music industry and dropping out after you'd betrayed everyone you knew and each other, and that sounds like it could be a whole show in and of itself. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, I, I read in, in your book that you were a punk rocker, complete with Doc Martens, poodle haircuts, leather jackets, the occasional dress. Um, what made you decide to turn to design? What, I mean, after, after you stopped uh, pursuing becoming a professional musician, why did you become a designer? How did you become a designer? Well, I mean, it, it was honestly kind of des- desperation, really. I mean, I, I had um, dropped by MCA, and, you know, I'd, I'd worked all those jobs all those years being a musician from, you know, waiter to busboy, all that stuff, you know, bartender, carpenter. And, you know, I, I just didn't want to do that anymore, and um, I just got married, and um, I, had, I had always made posters for the bands that I, 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 uh, I was in, and um, and I, I, I took a Photoshop class, and I took a, a back then it was director, Macromedia director class at some fly by night, you know, night night school thing. And I found out, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I really didn't know, know what a hard drive was. And I found out that I was, I was good at, I could be good at computers, and and that I had, you know, my mom's an art teacher, was a high school art teacher, and my stepdad was a book collector, and he, you know, he collected these big monographs, and, and when I was a kid, the books that I was always looking at were these propaganda books, you know, propaganda posters, I don't know, it's something about that, you know, puberty or something that drew me to, you know, like goose-stepping figures and stuff, and that's another story, but um, <laughs> <laughs> let's not get into that one, um, but, uh, uh, I, you know, so I, I realized that, you know, as, as, I was, as, as I was looking at the posters that I made for for my rock bands, and 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 sort of you know getting into the Photoshop and figuring out what this thing called graphic design was because I really hadn't given it much thought. I realized that you know I mean I'd I'd always been drawn to it. I'd I'd always seek that. I'd, I'd seek it out. And amongst all the books you know that my and there were thousands in our house. Um, I would go grab these graphic design books and I didn't even know it at the time. Um, and so. Um, you know that's that that's that, that's what it was. I was just done with music. I was I was done with it, and um, and I, I fortunately found something that 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 I think I'm better at. You know, and I'm a more natural fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and you know, then I just worked really really hard because I got a late start. You know, and I worked real hard and and um, and just fell in love with it. And and um, and I'm really grateful that I that I, that I did. Think well, in your new book, you talk about how both you and your wife believe strongly in messages and messengers. And I'd like to read a, a quote from the book that really moved me. Um, and here it goes. 
Uh, with that, I decided to open myself up for messages, which is to say I started to seek them out. And the messages, as if it, it's as if you are telling yourself what you already know or connecting with your God or your true purpose, your guiding light or your angel, your inner voice, started to reveal themselves. It's not magic. The messages are always there. But by opening yourself up, you start to really notice them. Can you talk a little bit more about how you did open yourself up and the kind of messages you started to notice? Yeah. Um, what I, I mean, I think it all, it, again, it, it, it all started sort of with that Bill Viola book. And, and actually another thing that happened, which was that I was speaking in, in, in Europe and, and one of the other speakers was uh, Kyle Cooper, who's the motion graphic designer, and, and, and was a huge part of why I got into motion graphics, I saw him speak. He was the first designer I ever saw speak. Um, and uh, and we took the train back. We were out in the outskirts of, of Norway, and we, 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 we took the train back together to Oslo, and we talked a little bit. And he, he talked about how he um, had just left his 300-person company called Imaginary Forces and was working in, you know, in, a, in a studio in the back of his house, I think, you know, and I said, you know, why'd you do that? It's Imaginary Forces. This is it's the company you started, you know, and it's it's, it's a huge company and, and does wonderful work. And he said, you know, I, I just wasn't doing the work anymore. I was doing managerial stuff. And and he said, you know, when I when I I missed putting on my headphones and staring at the computer and actually interacting with the with the work. And he said, you know, I, he's a, I think he's, he's very religious, and he, he said. Um, when I'm in that state, that's when I'm closest to God, you know, when mm. I'm in that state. And I, and I thought, you know, that, that makes a, that's, I totally understand that and I know what you mean. And so I think that, that that and the, and getting the book, you know, was, I felt the book was a message. I felt like, um, you know, I had, <clears throat> I had, there's another, I, I walked to work one day and I, I passed a, a gym that has a boxing gym in it. And when I was younger, I used to box a little bit. And so I signed up for the gym, and, you know, this big um, Puerto Rican guy named Ray came and gave me a free lesson, you know, training. And he imparted a message, you know, which was just um, basically, you know, you're approaching the, the bag wrong, you know, square off to your opponent and stop hiding, basically. Opening your up, open, I remember the part in the book, opening yourself up to being vulnerable, to get knocked yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. If you, you know, he could, you know, when I, I was never a good, I only boxed for a couple of years and I was always bad. And, and, and the reason is, is because I was a defensive fight, fighter. You know, I was always, you know, covering up or trying, just throwing the left. And in boxing, you have to throw the right in order to knock someone out or, or to, Compete, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and you know that's basically what he said. He said you have to you have to square off against your opponent and you have to throw the right. And I I took that as sort of like what I wasn't doing in my work. You know, I, I was sort of facing my my opponent, whatever that is, the creative challenge, or in a worst case scenario, a client or something. Um, you know, at a forty five degree angle and, and just not confronting it, and and also just sort of jabbing it. You know, and. Sometimes you just have to take that, and then I think you just have to lunge, you know. And, and the problem with that is that is that that is, is, as they say in the book, and in boxing, when you throw the right, you're also opening yourself up for getting hit as well. And so, yeah, so that it was it was that kind of thing. I mean, I I, I do believe in that stuff. I do believe in in 
in, um, in signs. Yeah, you know, we're just following. It's just you know, it's sort of developing and and, and um, developing a relationship maybe with your intuition. Do you make a date? Um, that's another quite on. You know, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, boy, that's a that's a good one. I, I, I sort of do. I believe in God, you know, and I, I believe that that that's um, it's all part and parcel. But um, uh, that's a good question. I'm in San Francisco. If I look out the window, I can probably see a bumper sticker that answers that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they're everywhere. You know I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Pillman, yeah. we have another caller. We have Isabel from Long Island. Isabel, thank you for calling Design Matters. Thank you. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Pillman. I just have a question that I'm posing to actually both of you, but Hillman, if you would be so kind of answer first. Um, as a designer and a filmmaker, you have a definite style that's very much your own. When you take on um, new projects, do you find yourself competing against yourself? I mean, do you feel like you always have to outdo what you did last, or do you strive to maintain some sort of consistency? No, it's, it's definitely the, <clears throat> the former. I, um, I, I, I always feel, I feel like I've I failed if it's if it's not at least as good or, or better. I mean, the, the last little film that I did was uh, on Mark Romanek, who's a, a film director in, in Hollywood, and um, I, I, I actually finished the cut uh, and sent it to him. You know, and he he's very straightforward, and he, he wrote back and said, you know, it's fine, it's fine, but it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't seem to have, you know, what I'm attracted to in your in your films and. You know, I, at first I was sort of, I was like, wait, you know, I put so much time in this thing, and, and I think it's great. And then I just, I stepped back and I realized that, you know, it wasn't as good as, say, the Milton piece or, or the Paula piece. Or, and <clears throat> I, I, I just, I, I let it go for really about two months, and then I started it again and came up with something that's, that was, that is one of my favorites. And so, so the answer is, is, I, is, I do. I mean, there's a, occasionally there's those jobs. I just did. I just did one. I'm not going to. It was a, a film job. I'm not going to mention that the, the client, but it was a client film job, and I, I had really high hopes. But uh, but you know, I just lost the. I lost the battle with the client, and and there are those ones where you know you just have to chalk it up to to the law of averages, and and some some you have to let go, but. At least in my personal work in the in the designer series and stuff, I really really try hard. Um, I spend hours and hours. I took the whole summer to cut the the pentagram piece. You know, one summer I just took the whole summer going through that and trying to figure out what to do. And so, yeah, I do. I really try hard to 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 um to make make those things good. <laughs> and yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you. Oh yeah, of course. Thank you. Well, thank you for calling. Sure. Take care. Um, Hillman, we have to take our, our last break. Um, I'd like to let our listeners know that this is Design Matters with Debbie Millman on Voice America Business. I am your host, Debbie Millman, and my guest today is designer and filmmaker Hillman Curtis. We'll be back with our final segment of the show right after these messages. Please don't go away. Fresh, dynamic, and totally prepared for continuing business education. 
Business Talk Radio. Voice America Business at voiceamerica.com. Hi, this is Scott Biondich, Global Packaging Manager at the Coca-Cola Company, and I'm really excited about the upcoming Fuse Brand Identity and Package Design event in New York City this April. I'll be there revealing the critical steps to developing differentiated and preferred packaging for consumers around the world. Design gurus Rem Koolhaas and Philippe Stark, as well as brand leaders from Method, Nike, and Target, will go in-depth into the most pressing issues we face. They'll deliver cutting-edge ideas that demonstrate brand growth and bottom-line impact through innovative strategy and design. For more information, call 888-670-8200. Visit www.iirusa.com forward slash BIPD or send an email to register at iirusa.com. Mention that you heard about the event from Design Matters and you'll receive a $200 discount off the standard fee. Hey, rise to the challenge. I look forward to seeing you in the Big Apple this April 24th through the 26th at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel. The challenge of change comes as ramped up due to the advent of information age and the interconnectedness of the global community. In a high-tech world, the ability to embrace change, adapt, and respond accordingly is key to personal and professional success. Talking Change with Ann Powers, airing every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific, explores the hows, whys, and what to do when faced with change. Embrace the new reality, adopt transition into your personal power portfolio, and tune into Talking Change with Ann Powers every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, Right here on the Bottom Line Business Talk, Voice America Business. Learn to thrive, not just survive in business and careers. Unleash your full potential and greatness with the Thrive Factor, unleashing your potential. With tactical coaches and success masters, hosts Dory Willer and Eva Gregory. Dory, Eva, and their masters of thriving expert guests inform, educate, elucidate, and inspire with leading-edge information. The Thrive Factor, unleashing your potential with Dory Willer and Eva Gregory, broadcast each Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel, The Thrive Factor. Success and inspiration at the click of a mouse. The bottom line in business talk. Voice America Business. Welcome back to Design Matters with Debbie Millman. If you would like to be a caller on the show, dial toll-free at 1-866-233-7861. Once again, that's 1-866-233-7861. And now, back to the host of Design Matters, Debbie Millman. Welcome back. It is 3.46 Eastern Time, and you are listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman, live from the Empire State Building in New York City. I am your host, Debbie Millman, and my guest today is designer and filmmaker Hillman Curtis. Um, Hillman, I, I know that we're both fans of the filmmaker Lars Van Trier, and you refer to both him and uh, Jürgen Less when you talk about the scripting, about scripting, and how not everything can be scripted. And you quote Less saying, "When I make films, I'm very conscious about leaving space for uncertainty and for some unexpected things. So filmmaking is also a game. Can you talk about some unscripted magic that's occurred in some of your work?" Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I often think that I, I rely on it on on that gray area of of you know where the beautiful accidents can happen almost too much. Um, I I think I mentioned earlier that when I do go to these interview um, sessions with these these people, I it's it's totally unscripted, and um, 
I may have like a few fallback questions that you know if if if, if I run into a wall or something I can ask. But it's it's wide open, and also I'm, I do them alone, so I'm also operating the camera and trying to figure out how to do that. And it just I mean it it's it makes for a lot of um, great moments, and it makes for a lot of work, mm-hmm. um, you know. And so I think I think. That's sort of, it's one of the backbones of, of, of my process is, is having this huge area where, um, you know, you don't pre-conceptualize and you don't uh, storyboard or anything. It's just this huge area that can hopefully get filled with, you know, stuff that, uh, I, I guess they're not even accidents, but they're, that, that they're just things that, that your subconscious maybe moves you towards. Mm-hmm. Um, in the moment, and then you know, often that I mean that can often backfire too. But but it is, I mean, that is something that I trust and, and something that I I um, work towards in, in my work. And so that's that's really I do rely on that. Well, you talk several times in in your new book about editing, and you quote a couple of really wonderful people. You you quote Dorothy Parker as saying, "You have to kill all your darlings," and another from Ernest Hemingway, "Write the story, take out all the good lines, and see if it still works." And you go on to say that these quotes remind you that what you might think is essential in a piece, either things that you have fallen in love with during the initial editing state become expendable. And it reminded me of the Picasso quote, it took me four years to paint like Raphael, but a lifetime to paint like a child. Um, so how did, how did you learn how to edit? How did you determine what is expendable? Um, I think that, I think that there's, it's a real thin line between graphic design and and, and editing, and I'm married to a, a, a poet who also is a, a fanatical editor of her own work. And I mean, I think I don't, I don't, I and mean, maybe there isn't even a line between these. I mean, I think that with graphic design, you know, I mean, it's it it is all about you know taking the stuff out. It's all about um, um, what demands or what or, or what deserves to, to remain in the piece. And with editing. I'm get, you know, it's, 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 I'm getting better at it, and I think with editing, it's, it, it's the same. It's, it's about, it's about what is absolutely essential, and I mean, I'm, I, I've chosen to work in a, on the web where, where your run times are, are, are by necessity shorter, you know, and, and I love that, you know, and so, so all of these designer pieces, they run from three minutes, in the case of Dave Carson, all the way up to, you know, Maybe eight minutes, uh, and I think uh, Milton or someone. Mm-hmm. But that's not a lot of time. I mean, I, in, in most of those cases, I've shot one or two tapes. It's a sixty or one hundred and twenty minutes that I have to condense down there, and so it does become this exercise of of you know what is what's going to support this theme or this story, and what isn't, and the stuff that isn't has to get you know just you have to yank it, even even if you love it, you know, yeah. you have to yank it. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of the things that I thought was most interesting, um, one of the things that Mark Romanek said in, in your film, was that when he was directing his Jay-Z video, that he was trying to create a fake moment that he wanted people to believe in. And I, I was wondering what you thought of that statement. Well, I mean, I think the Mark Rom- Romanek piece is, 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 uh, is really, really interesting. I do, too. Yeah, for a number of reasons. One is I think I caught him in a funk. You know, I think I went down there, and he was just—he feels like I, I feel like he was 
he was in between projects. He had had a, a, a major film yanked from him, you know, two weeks before production. And I just think that that uh, that some what of, film? I don't know. I think it was it had a film. It was with Tom Hanks, and uh-huh. um, but they hadn't started it. But he was. I mean, he was. His whole message, you know, that I got from him was was, you know. I've wanted, I've, I've wanted to be a filmmaker all of my life. I've been a filmmaker all of my life. You know, and he says that when he, when he says, here's a picture of Stanley Kubrick I had when I was in high school or something on my wall. And, you know, you know this is someone who just, that was it. Right. And his, his whole thing was like, you know, through my process and through, through the actual process of making film, I keep myself alive as a filmmaker. Mm. And um, so when he said fake, the fake moment, you know, I, I, I knew what he meant. You know, I knew what he meant. He's, he's, you know, he's creating this. And to me, it came across as he's creating this magic. You mm-hmm. know, it's like mm-hmm. it's a ma- it's magic, and and um, and he does that by. And what I learned from 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 doing that piece, what I learned, and I learned something from every single piece. But what I learned from that piece is just how um, much time and how much energy he puts into getting the shot, you know, and, and this goes back to me trying to play with portraits, you know, which is, um, I mean, his, his, if you look at any single frame of one of his, his music videos, and we've all seen the music videos that he's done, you can see that he's, he's labored to get this shot, and some of the shots are, are as beautiful as any still photography I've ever seen. And so what I got from it is just, you know, how much, how much preparation, how much detail he puts into getting the shot and then how much he opens it up in the editing process for um, the subconscious and for putting things together, and and, um, <clears throat> and so I took it as you know he he's 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 there he's you know putting his heart into making this magic, and it's and it is a fake moment, you know. Well, he also said that he would, and this I loved this. He said that he was not interested in creating things that are understood too easily, and that he wanted to leave his audience with a question and that he was interested in emotionally engaging people in a way that was interpretive rather than more obvious. And right after I saw the, the Mark Romanek piece, I then went and looked at your 60 Seconds film with Stevie Nicks, and there and she said that she was trying, finally after all these years, to try to not get too lost in the mystic, and it seemed that she was interested in being less interpretive and more direct. And I, I was really sort of struck by the dichotomy. Do you have a preference? Do you think that do you, do you prefer being more interpretive or more direct? Interpretive. Yeah, I figured yeah, so. Yeah. I figured so. And you know, you, one of the questions I wanted to ask you about the visitors, you, the, the people, the, you talked about capturing a person's essence in in video, and in in the visitor series in particular, I was wondering, can you do that with just anyone or with certain types of people to get people to open up in that way? No, I think you know, and I think <clears throat> we were talking during the break about the Chuck Close quote, where he says, he basically says. You know, you, you, you can't trick a person. You can't yeah. like say, look up, look down, you know, or, or I'm not really rolling, I'm just focusing, and you, you press record and try to trick them, you know. You can't. I mean, they're either, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're either going to bounce back into the camera or they're not. You know, I mean, for every portrait that I actually put up on my site or, or, and there's many that I haven't, um, you know, there, there's, there's five or six that, that just don't. Don't translate. I, I take a lot of portraits, and, and sometimes I get it, sometimes I don't. 
Well, I, I, I think I urge the listeners to go to your website, Herman, HolmanCurtis.com, to see this magnificent work. You, um, you, Hillman, just, you just called me Herman. I said Hillman. I think I fixed it. I fixed it. I fixed so it. It's you know, live radio. It's, I'm no, sorry. I, was at a par- I was at a party and someone said, hi, what's your name? And I said Hillman. And they said Gilligan. You know, which, uh, Herman's, you know. Yeah, no, I get it all the time. And, you know, the combination of our names today has certainly not gotten unnoticed, not gone unnoticed by people. But I have a couple, I want to do the Q&A, the, the pop quiz. Um, this is the last part where I just, you know, ask you silly questions. You just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Um, last book you read? Uh, the last book was the the one by um, the guy that did The Hours, Cunningham. Michael oh, Cunningham. Michael Cunningham, yes. Yeah, and he did a book called... Um, Days. Oh, last movie yeah. you saw? Well, it was that. It was the Nine Lives that I saw last night. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, bath or shower? Shower. Black or white? Um, I both. I gotta say both on that one. Silk or lace? Silk or lace? I'm gonna say silk. Okay. Favorite curse word? Uh, favorite curse word? Um, I guess fuck it to hell. <laughs> well, Elman, we've come to the end of our broadcast today. I'd like to thank you so much for joining me. I'd also like to thank uh, Brian Travis and Ruben Colom at Voice America. I'd like to thank the staff and my partners at Sterling, especially Lisa Grant and Jen Simon. Joining me next week is the incredible Karen Goldberg. Thank you for listening. And remember, we can talk about making a difference, we can make a difference, or we can do both. I am Debbie Millman, and I look forward to talking with you next week. Voice America Business would like to thank you for tuning in for Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Be sure to listen every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for another exciting hour of Design Matters. Right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business.